You're listening to Manx Radio, and I'm Judith Lay, welcoming you to the podcast of the Manx Sky at Night with Howard Parkin. Twinkle, twinkle, little star, how I wonder what you are. We choose to go to the moon. We choose to go to the moon in this decade and do the other things. Not because they are easy, but because they are hard. They're playing our tune, Howard. They are indeed. Faster my, Howard. Welcome. Faster my, Judith. And Happy New Year. A bit belated, but Happy New Year Well, indeed. In, yes, because it was just the exactly. old year when we spoke the last time, the of course. The I think, wasn't that's, it? That's right, yes. So we couldn't, we couldn't say it then. And I hope that it will be a very good year for you, Howard. And uh, lots of happy stargazing. Now, you've sent me a few notes, a few notes um, (laughs) about the things we're going to talk about. We literally, I always say we've got a packed programme, but we really have. We have indeed. We've got all kinds of things to talk about. And pretty much we'll be doing what we normally do, starting off by talking about the Manx skies and what we hopefully will be able to see above us with, with the right conditions in the coming month. And then we'll be going out into space. And I'm absolutely sure we've got a lot to talk about <laughs> we there. We certainly have. We've, we haven't even begun to talk about that telescope, have we? No, no. Right. Let's start off with our Manx skies. What have you got for us? Howard? Well, when I was coming to the studio this evening, um, the sky was beautifully clear. It's not nice out there. There's a lot of cold and wind and cloud around. But as I got to the door of the station, there in all its glory was the winter hexagon. This beautiful array of stars with Sirius, the very bright star Sirius, brightest star in the night sky, sitting on the horizon, almost due south. So if it's still clear now, after the programme, not now, but after the programme, go outside and see if you can see for yourself, due south, a very bright star called Sirius. And then look straight overhead and you'll see another one, another one called Capella. And the reason I mention that, I talk about the winter hexagon quite often because it is so bright and so prominent in our sky. But it's so big, it goes from the horizon right up to the point overhead, what we call it your zenith. So these six stars that make up this wonderful hexagon shape, um, clearly visible tonight, no problem whatsoever. And I've got, I'm jumping ahead a bit because I've got a treat in store. I've arranged this specially tomorrow night at seven minutes past six, if it's clear, the space station is going to go right underneath the belt of Orion. Um, it's the last chance to see it at a decent height and a decent sort of time uh, till about another middle of February, end of uh, beginning of March. Uh, so tomorrow night, seven minutes past six, find the, the constellation Orion, three stars in a row, makes his belt. I've talked about that often enough. If you don't know where it is now, we'll, we'll give up, I think, Judith. Um, but the, the, the space station will zip right underneath the stars of Orion tomorrow night. Do you know, it's still an amazing thought to look at that when, when I do manage to see it correctly identified on the, in the right conditions. It's an amazing thought to just, just think that that is up there. It's a, it's a working place. Yeah. It's a working platform. Seven people on board at the moment. Mm. Incredible. It, it's, yeah. And if you wait 90 minutes, you come around again. That's what gets me. You can see it in 90 minutes again. 93 minutes, I think it takes to go right round. It's always lower down the second pass because of the, the orbits. But um, you can actually see it as many as five times in one night if you catch it round midsummer. I had a happy reunion this week, Howard. I yes. was reunited with my planisphere. Oh, excellent. Well, well I'll be it's, testing you on that next month. Oh, well, next month, yes. Give me, give me time <laughs> to get back up to speed on it. But um, it was one of the things that I had to be packed away with all my worldly goods and it's been in storage for quite a while. And I was delighted to get it out again. And I thought, 
right? I'm back to using that because well, it is a brilliant thing for helping so you. They're so good for just basic identification. Yeah. People yeah. laugh at me, but when I go to a, um, the Southern Hemisphere occasionally on my cruises, etc., I have a Southern Hemisphere one I take with me. And what you do, you see, everyone who talks about any subject you know about, you make sure you know what you're talking about. So the night before I go out stargazing with all the people on the ship, I go out with my planisphere and make sure I know exactly what's what and what I can recognise because, of course, we don't see some of the stars, the sun and the hemisphere. No, so, of course um, not. So but, I do that every time. But the thing is about it, it is so inexpensive. I mean, yeah. I was very kind, you, you gave me one, but to go out and buy one is not expensive. Uh, 9 99 or £12.99 or whatever. And usually you get a book and a star chart with that as well. Yeah, so it's it's the whole package if you just mm. really want an, an easy way of, of looking of, of identifying indeed. what you're looking at. Actually, I'll give a tip to listeners who maybe don't want to spend the money. There's a, there's a website. It's free. It's educational. It's called skymaps.com. And you can only download it. Uh, well, you can only download it for the next month on the beginning of the month. So tomorrow or Tuesday, skymaps.com. Just go onto it. And it's like a planisphere, except it's just for the one month. And it's free. It's for educational uses only. I, I use it all the time in my classes, and my lectures, because it gives you a snapshot of the sky as it is for that month. And it's very useful. And uh, I recommend it to a lot of people. I know lots of people elsewhere in astronomy use them as well. And then does that refresh every month? So if you went to the beginning of yes, February, you'd you get the February. you can't download Marches now. No, no, no. no you but can you could... download each month as it comes. And you can't get it till the last day of the previous month. Like, I think tomorrow it'll be available for February and then mm. obviously that'll month, the month of February then March will come around at the end of February. And that's Skymaps? Skymaps.com. Fine. And you need to download the Northern Hemisphere edition, not the Equatorial or the Southern Hemisphere, mm. for obvious reasons. Quite. Moving swiftly on. Yeah, well, we've got the new moon tomorrow. Uh, not tomorrow, I keep thinking it's the first tomorrow. It's not, it's the 31st tomorrow. We've got the new moon on Tuesday and the new moon means that the skies will be beautifully clear. If we get some clear nights, and we have been lucky in the last week, two weeks. I actually got my night school out stargazing the other night, which is always a plus because 12-week course, we had one clear night. so And that was two weeks ago. So basically, if the moon is not around, if the moon is new, You've got a week each side of the new moon, really, or a couple of weeks each side of the new moon, more or less, to try and get to look at the dark skies. And believe me, you get a clear night this time of year. The stars just come out at you. The Milky Way, all the bright stars of winter. It's it's worth mentioning because, as I say, it's new moon on, on Tuesday. And the other thing we've got is, remember we had a, a feast of planets in the sky um, not so long ago, around Christmas time? I was telling you about four planets all in the sky together. Well, you might just catch Jupiter now in low in the western sky um, after the sun's gone down. But all the activity now is in the dawn sky. Uh, the other morning, a beautiful morning, about half past seven, probably a bit earlier than that, maybe about seven o'clock, um, Mars was very bright in the western sky. And it's now been joined by the even brighter Venus. Because Venus, of course, we saw in our evening sky not long ago, has now been joined uh, in the morning sky where, where Mars has been for a little while. And then shortly thereafter, we're going to get Saturn and Jupiter, and even Mercury. So all, all the activities in the morning sky. So I'm afraid we can't do it at night time now. We've got to get up early in the morning. But it's worth, worth looking for. And in June, uh, in June, I'll be talking about this probably in the end of May, we've actually got all the planets in the morning sky in a line, in order. You've got Mercury, Venus, the Moon, Mars, Jupiter, and Saturn, all in a lo lovely line across the dawn sky uh, about from the middle of June onwards. 
Well, there are plenty of people. In fact, I would venture to say there's more people who like to get up nice and early in the mm. morning for all kinds of reasons. Sometimes it's dog walking before you go to work and this mm. kind of thing. Some people just like to go out and get early morning exercise. And so to be able to see that... It will be quite and, spectacular. It will probably be mentioned in the media and the magazines and all the rest, but uh, mm. it will be quite spectacular to get that lineup. I wonder if there'll be more chance of us getting clear skies in the morning. That's anybody's guess, isn't it? Well, to be honest with you, I've noticed, um, especially since I've been doing my night school classes, I do a 12-week course, as you know, and the 12th week is this Tuesday. So it's the last one of the class. And I've noticed I've seen more stars in the morning or more features in the morning sky over the last three months, probably, than I've seen in the evening. Although the last month, we've had quite a few clear nights, which is great because we've got these wonderful winter stars I keep going on about, which I would tell people about. So, um... Hopefully, uh, we might get some more clear skies as we go through February. But still plenty of interest. And this is the thing that we say at the risk of being boring, forgive me. But every time, there is always, always something, something different. To always there's, something to the, see. The, the, the basics are there, but yeah. but there's always... What, what's beauty of it is the, is the sky changes. It changes as we go around the sun, of course, we get a different procession of constellations throughout the year. We always split the constellations into spring, autumn, summer and winter. And I, I infuse about the winter ones, and soon I'll be infusing about the spring ones. I mean, the spring ones, um, Leo and his friends are coming around the sky now as uh, all the winter stars are setting in the west. We've got the spring constellations coming up. But the other thing I just want to talk about before we go to the break is um, there have been quite a few reports of people seeing aurora recently. And uh, Now, the best time to see aurora is always February, March time or September uh, time, time of the equinoxes. And um, there have been quite a few reports and quite a few sightings of the Aurora Borealis from the Isle of Man. And it's well worth giving it a look um, because we might see something. But don't be disappointed if you only see a white glow in the sky and wonder if that's the Aurora because it may well develop. The camera lies, as I've mentioned this many a time, the camera gives you beautiful green vivid colours, uh, whereas the naked eye sees a much paler colour, white or possibly pale green. Uh, but sometimes we get displays where the, the colours really do stand out. And the sun goes through a cycle. I won't go through the details now, but the sun goes through a cycle and the minimum activity of the sun was 2018. We're now climbing up to the next peak, which is 2023, 2024. And there are already indications that the peak this time round is going to be bigger than the peak last time round. So good chance to see the aurora and, and the prospect of it being better in the next few years. Howard, you mentioned there, just briefly, photography. <clears throat> and I think it's a good opportunity to say thank you to the excellent local photographers that we have that put some beautiful pictures oh, up on, on social media. And they just put them up for the, just for the, for the joy of it. Yes, really appreciate yeah. that because it, it really... A, it tells us what's going on and people have seen lovely clear skies, but you just marvel at the, the, the grandeur of it. it. To me, I mean, I'm obviously very biased, but a beautiful view of the night sky to me is as good as looking at some beautiful scenery in the, uh, in the, in the countryside. Each has their own beauty and each has their own uh, supporters. But um, there are some great photographers out there and there's, there's a couple out in Peel there that are always taking pictures of the aurora. So thank you on air to all of you. Yes, in, indeed, because it does, it's lift you. And also, as you say so many times, these effects don't last very long. No, so no. if you happen to be out and these, the really good photographers are very, very patient and spend oh, hours so. looking, yeah. waiting for the right shot. And, uh, and then that sharing with the rest of us. Yeah, it's great you. to do and it's great to see. Thank you very much for that. Now... I don't know what to say about our music <laughs> choice tonight. Gentle listener, sometimes, sometimes Howard allows me to choose some music. 
and uh, I look at his notes for the programme and sometimes it's quite obvious what, what might fit nicely with this. I have to say that um, there's no disrespect to the band, to the Who. I have great respect for them. Um, but I have to say that this little gem had escaped me until Howard <laughs> said, please can we have Boris the Spider? For you, Howard, anything. The Spider by The Who from 1966. Howard Parkins' choice because you are listening to the Manx Sky at Night for the month of January here on Manx Radio. Howard, let me guess. Boris the Spider, spiders weave webs, the web telescope. Got it in one, Judith. <laughs> for those politicians out there, it's nothing to do with Boris. I just realised that as we are listening to it about the word Boris being in it. But no, I was sat there working out what we were going to talk about tonight and I realised that this really has been such a special event, this telescope we'll talk about in a moment. I thought, what song have we got that can possibly do? And before anyone rings in or makes suggestions, we did think about Spiders from Mars 
Um, but there's nothing with the word Webb in it I could find. Anyway, I did think of Charlotte Webb. That was the other thing we did think we could do. That's the book, isn't it? Anyway, that's why you got Boris the Spider. So apologies for that choice. No, I think... <laughs> Actually, I'd, I had when I listened to it through, I realised that I had heard it many, many moons ago. So um, it was it was nice to dust that one and down again. A little <laughs> bit different. scary, but never mind. <laughs> right. So now, come on. We we talked um, when we were last together. Of course, the, the the telescope had had launched, just been launched, yeah. And I, I don't think it had even unfolded. Well, it no, hadn't no, unfolded. No, it had been no, only it's, it's up taken there. thirty days to unfold, and of course, it was launched on Christmas Day, and I upset the family because, of course, I uh, insisted. I said, I don't <laughs> care what we're doing from twenty past twelve for forty minutes. I am not available for anything. Oh. And I wasn't. I watched it right through from the launch. And the launch was absolutely perfect. And we actually saw the telescope pull away from the, the launch rocket, the Ariane 5 rocket, and started to unfurl one of its solar panels to give it power. And then everything was bated breath, fingers crossed and everything, because this machine has got so many moving parts. It had to unfold this. It had to erect the, the sun shield. When I look back on it now, it was very tense, very, very anxious time. But everything 100% worked absolutely as it should be. And the telescope has now reached its final position. It's orbiting a place called Lagrange Point 2, which is about a million miles away from the Earth. It's orbiting the Sun, not the Earth. It's actually orbiting a point that's around the Earth, but it's actually officially orbiting the Sun. It's in position, and they're now starting to align the mirrors. All the mirrors have been folded out. The sunshade's been um, pulled out and uh, tensioned and all this sort of stuff. And now it's going to start. Well, it's not going to start work yet. It's going to take about six months before they get it working properly. But uh, they announced a couple of days ago that the first light, that's what you use when you have a telescope. First light is when you look at the first object. And first light is going to be a star in the constellation of Ursa Major, not far from the, the asterism of stars called the Plough. It's not visible to the naked eye, but they've told us which star it is. And it's got a number, HBO something or other. And um, we can see it in big telescopes. So I'm sure there'll be quite a few people looking for that. And it's just an amazing piece of engineering. It cost a lot of money, but as I think I said last month, it was meant to be launched in 2007 originally. It now finally made it into orbit on the 25th of December 2021. Won't forget that in a hurry. And we wait with bated breath to see what it's going to do. It's an incredible piece of equipment. But it, it really, it couldn't, as, as far as I can tell from following it in the media, it couldn't have gone any better. No. Been incredible. I mean, there was so much could go wrong. I mean, I think everybody remembered the Hubble disaster in 1990 when they launched the Hubble Space Telescope, and basically it was severely flawed. Uh, they managed to fix it, which is again an amazing achievement. But I think this one was so complex they had to fold it up into the um, the, the payload fairing, the, the bay, the payload bay of the um, the Ariane Five rocket. But it works so well. The telescope had a minimum of five years' worth of fuel on board, so it couldn't possibly last for five years. But because they didn't have to do any mid-course corrections getting out to the Lagrange point, um, they've, um, they've now said it'll have 20, 10 to 20 years of fuel to maintain it in that position. The Lagrange point, incidentally, people often say, well, why on earth they put it there? It's a gravitationally stable position, a million miles from the Earth. Put the sun shield in the way of the mirror so the sunless light does not affect the mirror. It can look permanently at any object it wants to look at without any interference. The Hubble Space Telescope is in orbit round the Earth, so every time it goes round the Earth, it's got to stop and then realign itself when it goes back into where it can see that object. This telescope, they've used it before for a couple of space telescopes. The Spitzer and the Planck Telescope were put into this position as well, and they work very effectively. Um, so that's where it's going, and... Uh, 
I can't wait to see the results from it. It is breathtaking and I'm listening to what you're saying and just thinking of all the engineering techniques and the engineering innovations that they've made. What they've learned will, like everything else, flow down into what we do on the earth, though, won't it? It certainly will. I mean, a silly thing the other day, I was looking up something the other day, astronomers often talk about Doppler, the Doppler shift of red light being shifted to the far end of the spectrum. They use it in blood analysis now. You pass something through blood, you can using the Doppler shift analysis, you can use that to analyse the, the blood. And I thought, wow, it's amazing how these devices and let's give credit, yes, the astronomers, the scientists, wonderful blokes and lovely, but the engineers, they're the ones who get said, We'd like to do this. Can you build it for us? And oh go on, go on then. But this this telescope is just you amazing. Make it, you make it sound very homely, Howard. <laughs> you make it sound like it's a chat around the coffee machine. I tell you what I'd like. Can you just you know, and you go you away and do some? But, you know, it, listening to what you're saying, we use as a figure of speech, oh, it's a million miles away. Oh, But but a real million miles in mm. this case. Four you know, times the distance to the moon. People think, what's a million miles in space? Well, it's four times the distance to the moon. The moon is a quarter of a million miles away. This telescope is four times that far away. Mm. And as you said, when, when we last spoke, it had just been launched. It was on its way out to the this position, the Lagrange Point 2, as they call it. And uh, over the period of the 30 days it took to get there on the 26th of January, I think it was, um, from memory, um, it's been slowly doing what it needed to do, folding this arm and unfolding that arm and getting the sun shield. The sun shield is five layers of material the size of a tennis court, so five tennis courts, each separated by about three inches. And that material had to be deployed, stretched out, and then tensioned, and then lifted up to make the five layers. That's to protect it from the sun, so the temperature, the temperature of the operating, the operating temperature of the telescope is about minus 130 degrees, but the side, the other side of the sun shield, where the sun grabs it, is about 100 degrees the other way. So, and presumably, you're talking about how much fuel it's got on board. Presumably, it will be to some extent like other things that go into space, where they get to a point where they can use natural gravity, natural well, resources that's, that's the main point. to keep it all going. It's, it's orbiting a natural point. This point is gravitationally stable. You don't need to keep firing motors to keep it in that position. It will orbit that position more or less permanently. It will have to be tweaked every now and then. So they've not carried a huge amount of fuel because they wanted to concentrate on carrying the instruments to looking at the stars and the, and the objects, the galaxies. It's got four major things it's going to look at, including uh, looking for extrasolar planets, planets around other stars. So um, very exciting, and I can't wait to see some uh, good results from it. Well, I know that you will, as soon as there's anything to report on it, Howard, you'll oh, be there. I certainly will. You'll be to tell us. What else do we need to be talking about uh, that's going on in space? Well, in space at the moment, there's a lot of anticipation for 2022 because there's a lot going on. Last year, we had quite a lot going on in that the first launch to the, um, the Space Origins, um, sorry, Blue Origins did their launch and Richard Granson did his launch. And we also had the Russian film crew go up to the space station. Well, beginning of this year, firstly, we've got the Axiom mission. Now, the Axiom mission is a private spacecraft. Um, it's a Dragon, a space, SpaceX Dragon spacecraft. It's going to be launched in March or April. And they're going up to the space station. They're going to do some preparatory work for it. But eventually, they're going to launch a series of modules and attach them to the International Space Station. And when the International Space Station reaches the end of its useful life, in about 2030, we're reckoning, they're going to detach this new space station from it and have their own free-flying private space station. And that's called the Axiom mission. The first one of those is taking place, as I say, I think I saw a note the other day, but it's likely to get pushed back into April. 
it's not that far off. Then, of course, we've also got the very exciting installation on the Douglas Head by SpaceX for their, um, their Starlink satellites. I understand that, that the planning is about to be submitted for that, and obviously that will be go through the planning process, and then eventually we'll have this Starlink um, base in the Isle of Man. Now, let's press pause there because I am finding increasingly that people are talking about this Starlink. Now, I first came across it, oh, I think it was um, 18 months or so ago, and it was a a YouTube video that I was watching about somebody in America who's gone to live out in a remote area and was saying that there would be no internet access without Starlink, and they had a a, a little dish that was attached to their caravan. That's the plan. and, And that was it. So... Is this is this just going to revolutionise yeah, the, the way we access? Yeah, this is going to give internet access to everybody on the planet. And he's talking about doing it very, very cheaply as well because he's going to have so many people can do it. If you put enough satellites in orbit, you can always reach one of them wherever you are on the planet, in the middle of the Sahara Desert, middle of the sea. Now, I know we talk about cruises and all the rest, but one of the big problems with internet access is for ships at sea because most of the satellites in geostationary orbit are based on land-based um, people. Um, well, the, these Starlink satellites, of which there's going to be thousands of them, uh, will give you the ability to have a satellite above you, and you're only going to get a signal from two of them, and using basic geometry you can work out your position and you can get the signals from it, and the internet will work for you. And it's going to revolutionise the internet on the planet. There is a downside. The downside is that the, some of the astronomers are saying that they don't like these satellites because they're just putting lots of satellites in the sky, which will ruin their astrophotography, which we were talking about earlier. But um, they're pressing ahead with it, as are another other companies are doing it as well. But SpaceX have really got the, 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 the teeth into this one. And they're building three satellite stations in the British Isles. There's one in Cornwall, there's one in Buckingham, and there's one in the Isle of Man. Uh, so we're going to get revenue from it. The Isle of Man will get a, a fee from SpaceX for, for doing it. And I understand, as I said earlier, it's, um, it's, the planning permission is about to go in for it. And literally, is it going to be on Douglas Head? Yes, yeah, on Douglas Head. Where the satellite dishes were for SES, remember the Earth Station satellite dishes literally just behind us here at Manx Radio? Yes. And um, those dishes, I believe, are, are not going to be used. They're going to get these new facilities. And um, we'll wait and see what happens. So just, uh, I suppose it's a really difficult question to, to answer, but how visible will all of this be? Is it, is it going to put lots of things no, that no, we'll see? It'll be no bigger than it is now, I'm guessing. I, don't, I haven't seen the details, but I understand no, but it's thing, just going to be a small number of satellites. The, and um, there are buildings on the top of um, Carnane now, aren't there? It's yes. not Carnane, so it's, it's Douglas Head, isn't it? Douglas yes, Head. yeah. And um, they, they won't be obtrusive. They're not going to be any more obtrusive, obtrusive than the ones that are there now, which I understand, as I say, are going to be... I'm not sure if they're going to be taken down or they're going to be converted. I, I'm not sure yet. Yeah. They're very twitchy about the information. I, I, I was talking to so. someone about it. I would have guess. to sign a DNA on it. Not DNA. Uh, some, whatever it is. Yeah. Whatever the letters are for a non-disclosure agreement. That's yes, right. yes. So they can't talk much about it. ND, NDA or something. NDA, yes, anyway. Disclosure agreement. Well, we'll move, we'll move on. We'll move on, Howard, because actually we're going to be beaten by the clock. Again. <laughs> and it's just so much fascinating stuff to talk about. But yeah, the, the um, that Starlink, watch this space. Mm. And uh, are you out and about talking, entertaining us? Yes, I am. Um, I plan this winter to do quite a few talks around the island, and I've done quite a few already, and thank you to those who have supported them. It's been great. We had um, two down the sound a few weeks ago, um, back-to-back Friday and Saturday. They were wonderful. And I've got two more left to do. I'm doing one at Nayarbal on the Aurora on Friday the 11th, and my final one I'm doing this winter is up at Babbage's. And Babbage's, if you, those who know it, at the Mountain View Innovation Centre on Jerby Road. And did you know Charles Babbage, who the place is named after, was one of the founders of the Royal Astronomical Society? 
Yeah. Can I be a smarty pants and say yes? You only because I've been <laughs> I've been up, up there. I know I've been up there and I've talked to David Doricott yeah. and so I know and I asked him because I was completely ignorant and I asked him why it's called Babbage's and he told me it's all about computers was his main subject, but he was an astronomer as well. Yeah. But the talk I'm doing up there is on Friday the eighteenth. So hope to see you up there. On that one I'm going to be talking about um the the subject We Are Made of Stardust. And I've got a new version of that lecture because I've been doing that one for a few years now so I've put some new stuff into it so I hope if you're interested there's a meal and then a talk by myself or stargazing or both depending on the weather and very very quickly how do people book for these because if um, there's food involved it'll be booking necessary they are we'll get in touch with Nayable Direct yep. for the one on the 11th yes. and for Babbage's same thing get in touch with Selena at Babbage's um, she's on the internet or there's a Babbage's Facebook and there's a Nayable Facebook page as well Howard Parkin, as always, a great pleasure to talk with you. And Howard will be back live in the studio for next month's edition of The Manx Sky at Night. He will be back on the final Sunday of February. The Nation Station, Manx Radio.